Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hello, hello there. Happy March. Happy March 2019. Thanks for joining me for episode 380 of Hippie Witch, Magic for a New Age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the cookie creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and all that good shit. And you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link to today's very special guest, Joelle Adaphone. But before we get to that, I'm going to talk at you here for a second because March 5th, 2019, that's today. It is Kick-Ass Witch's seventh birthday. Kick-Ass Witch is now seven years old. Sometimes it feels a lot longer than that. Sometimes it feels like it's gone by in the blink of an eye. Thank you so much for the, some of you, some of you have been hanging with me since before I even launched Kick-Ass Witch, March 5th, 2012. So shout out to you, my friends. I also want to give a very special Thank you to those of you who are helping me get to my goal of paying my rent and my health insurance entirely through Patreon. And there are quite a few new patrons that I want to mention and give a shout out because I really, really appreciate that you guys are supporting my work over there. So thank you very, very much to Michelle Kane, Heather Ansel, Sticky, Someone named Sticky. Thank you, Sticky. Jessica Malone, Beth, Kendra Miller, and the Rosemary Witch. The Rosemary Witch. (laughs) Why do I do that? I don't know. I don't know. It's a sign. It's a sign of love. It's a sign that I'm happy. I'm happy it's my birthday. I'm happy it's kick-ass witch's birthday, I should say. And I'm happy I have a new episode for you all. I have had faith, faith, the word faith, the idea of faith, the concept of faith on the brain so much lately because life has really, if you're, if you're hanging with me on Patreon, you know this, life has been giving me the squeeze. I feel like I'm being squeezed by the universe. (laughs) I'm not really sure to what end, but I have my own agenda. I have my own desires and goals that I'm trying to make happen. And I keep noticing myself. This is definitely a continuation of last year of, of working with this idea of being fearless Fearless woman, that necklace that I've been wearing, fear less. Fearing less and less. Can you be fearless? Can we as humans be fearless? I often say fear is, I like to personify fear as Satan or the devil. Like when I look at the Christianity that I grew up in, I can understand it better when I look at it this way, when I when I tell myself the story that, okay, so Christians, what they did here is they personified 
fear. They made a little character out of it, and then they just got a little too carried away with it to where it actually like became this real thing that they then in turn feared, so they fear the fear, and that's highly destructive. Anything created, I think fear is very, very creative. I think there are two lord and masters that you can worship, okay? <laughs> you could worship fear, you can worship love. I like to say love is my god. In, in my own personal private practice, I just say love is God, but I'm not trying to impose that on all of you. I'm not trying to say love is God as some big philosophical statement <laughs> or to create a new theology around this idea. It's just what works for me when I think of love is God and fear is the devil. There are words that... I, I am a word nerd to the core. And when I think back to my childhood, I think about a lot of the time I spent in church, so much time in church and in church activities. And there were words that would just be like taken out of context and like put on a banner or a t-shirt or a tote bag or just anything that constantly came up again and again and again. We even had this really large family of this of beautiful girls. They're very mysterious to me. They were much older than me, so I must have been like kindergarten or something. There was this family with these older like teenage girls. Think of like the virgin suicides. That's what they looked like to me. <laughs> They even kind of dressed like that. And I don't, I just remember looking at them, but they all, and admiring them and being sort of in awe of them, like a little girl is when you're looking up at like cool older teenage girls. They're very mysterious and intriguing. But they had names, these names that were these words, like faith. <laughs> faith is one that I can think of, grace. And when I think of love, and then all these words, what were some of the words? These are not the names of the girls, but there was peace, faith, joy, grace, you know, words that people even today, they wear as like a necklace and, and they just sort of stand alone as a statement. To me, these words are, when I look back on them and think about it now, they are all products of love and each is a path to love, which is interesting right? They, they're like of love and they'll lead you to love. <laughs> and I, so I've been thinking about faith in this context because I've been struggling with faith as life is giving me the squeeze. I feel I'm definitely not having a crisis of faith. I've had one of those before. It's no good, a crisis in faith. <laughs> but I feel my faith being very wobbly, my faith in my own magic, my faith in being able to walk my talk and fully surrender to what it is I believe. It's very important if you're practicing magic or the law of attraction that you surrender completely in faith. If you have doubts, if you can't completely let go, your magic is not going to be as potent. That's how I see it. And as I've been standing on this kind of precipice of faith, I realized I don't want to jump off that cliff. I cannot make myself, even as I've been thinking about faith, jump off the cliff and take the leap. But I don't know why, right? So I'm like, why, why, why? <laughs> what am I afraid of? What's going to hurt me? And when I say faith, I mean 
Let's put it in context. For example, one of one of the things, there are several things going on right now when I say that life is giving me the squeeze, but one of the things is my landlord is selling my home this spring and I want, and I've been trying to get all my friends to get on board with this, to call it an upgrade. I'm going to get a new landlord and he's going to let us stay here. I don't want to lose my home. I want to stay in my home, but apparently I have a lot of fear around this. And I'm having a hard time completely investing in faith and trusting that this truly is an upgrade and I'm going to be getting a new fabulous landlord who's going to let me stay in my home instead of someone who wants to buy the home and kick us out and move in. So I have been really wrestling with this on a daily basis, in the back of my mind. I say all the right things. I do all the right things. I'm practicing all my spiritual things that I do. (laughs) The chanting. We've been talking about chanting on Patreon. I'm doing the chanting. I'm doing all of this. But still, there is a lack of faith. And I'm thinking about, like, why is that? What is that about? And I think it's, it's just fear. But also, like, what exactly am I afraid of? Like, what bad could happen if I completely let go and completely surrender and believe in the outcome that I desire? And when I look at it, it's so simple, but also strange. I'm afraid to get my heart broken. I'm afraid of being let down. And that that is really shocking to me. (laughs) It's like, wow, that's so sad and powerful and interesting. I'm afraid to completely let go and trust because I'm afraid I'll be heartbroken or disappointed deeply in a way that is painful and hard to recover from. And I think about the times that life has done that. Life hurts sometimes. Life takes things away from you in a way that you may not understand until much later. You know, it's very easy to look back on our lives and say, oh, that happened for the highest good. But the practice of pronoia, which is the opposite of being paranoid, <laughs> pronoia is assuming everything is happening for your highest good. It's easier said than done. And I just wanted to talk about this with you. This really doesn't have much to do with the interview that's about to follow here with Joelle, with my friend Joelle. But because I was thinking so much about faith, And I think I'm going to end up writing about this or creating some product around this, some book or audio journey. Who knows what it'll end up being. But I have a lot to say about it because I can't stop thinking about it and I'm still working through it. And as I find what works for me and what helps me through something, I love to share that with you all. So we'll see. Don't be surprised if something starts, if I'm like, hey, I have this new thing, (laughs) if it has to do with faith. And kind of, I want to circle back again before I I get into talking about Joelle, um, today's interview guest. I was thinking about like the two masters you serve. I guess I'm circling back to what I was saying about like fear and faith. And 
I often put fear and love up against each other, but because I've been thinking about faith as a product of love, perfect love and perfect trust, and a path to love, perfect love and perfect trust, (laughs) I've been thinking about like, which master am I going to serve? Where am I going to invest my energy? Am I going to let fear dictate my behavior, my thoughts, my feelings? It really doesn't feel good. Why am I siding with fear? Even a little bit. Why is there like a little piece of me that wants to... I think fear is such a liar. (laughs) That makes me laugh because when I think about the Christianity I grew up in, it's Satan is a liar. (laughs) And it's like, well, fear is the real liar. Because fear, to me, the, the big lie, the seductive lie is that fear tells is that it's going to keep you safe. It's going to protect you. And healthy fear of, you know, don't put your hand on the hot stove. Don't run blindly into a busy intersection. Like, that's healthy fear, and it does keep you safe. But then there's this whole huge other (laughs) world of fear that keeps you from living the kick-ass life of your dreams. And that's what I'm thinking about. And so I'm thinking it it helps me to divide these two things and and kind of picture them as like the devil on your one shoulder and the angel on the other shoulder and they're both whispering in your ear <laughs> and I just want to like flick the devil off my shoulder and be like go away stop it stop it stop it I'm like trying to side with trying to side with the angel of faith and then fear keeps like climbing up my leg up my arm getting back onto that shoulder to be like but 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 Something horrible could happen. You could get your heart broken. You could be disappointed. And so it goes on and on and on. So I have been thinking about this a lot lately, especially this weekend. I was like, how do I bust through this? I was thinking about faith. And then I got an email from someone I haven't heard from in years, Joelle Adaphone. And to me, Joel is just like this super open spiritual seeker. He's very young to me. You know, it's all relative. (laughs) He's in his mid-20s. And to me, he's just the personification of faith. He has so much faith. And, And he is a faith healer, which, again, brings up a lot of I think healthy fear for me. I don't, I don't, this is not, this is a healthy fear because I think a lot of faith healers, people that claim to heal other people of chronic illnesses and tumors and you name it, I think they're scam artists. I think there's a lot of predatory behavior in that. So it was interesting when he wrote to me, it seemed very timely, like, oh, how funny, because I just think Joel and Faith, and I'm thinking about Faith, and I, I looked over, like, he sent me his new website, or new to me, I'm not sure, it could, it could have been there for the last four years, for all I know, <laughs> and it was talking about these divine interventions that he does, and so it kind of like, mm, I, I, I was torn 
I was torn between like, what do I do? I don't want to necessarily endorse this because it's not something that I've personally experienced, but also I really, really like him. He is a sweet, cool, fun, interesting person that I think you all would really like. So here's what I decided. I said, yes, come on the show. I told him all of that. All of it. I was just like, listen, I I have an issue with this, but if you're willing to talk about it, let's talk about it. And he's like, yeah, let's. And so we recorded this interview yesterday, and it's really, it's interesting. And I should give you a heads up. There's some talk of God. There's God talk and, and Jesus talk for those of you who are witches and you're like, please, God, goddess, <laughs> don't say the word Jesus. Well, we say the word Jesus. He does. But he's also very magical and into a lot of different things that I think will interest you. And so my take on it is I'm not going to judge or decide anything for you about Joel's work. I'll let you be the judge. I'll let you decide. And I think at the very least, you'll really enjoy him because he's, he's a sweet, cool guy. And then at the end, this is going to be an extra long episode. There's a little bit of extra bonus content. We wrapped up the interview and then we kept talking and I was like, oh, I will include some of that because he gave some book nerd recommendations. And then there's a lovely song from Tiger Knight, Molly Roberts band Tiger Knight, because as you know, I am tacking songs now onto the end of these episodes because rock and roll, rock and roll, happy birthday, kick-ass witch. And without any further ado, here he is, Joel Adaphone. Welcome to Hippie Witch, Joel. What's up, what's up? Hi, I really need to sing your name. I just want to say like, Joel, 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 welcome to my witchy podcast, Joel. (laughs) Yeah, you and everybody else. (laughs) It's just so irresistible. You're the only Joel I know, for one thing, but my brain immediately goes into Christmas songs. That's funny. Well, at least at least there's some celebration. <laughs> yeah, I think you have that energy. I think you're a very joyful, loving person. So you have the right name. Mm-hmm. So let's uh, tell people who you are and what you do, and you can you can tell them in your own words. For sure. Yeah. So I call myself a divine catalyst, and essentially, I help people create miracles in many different areas of their lives. Uh, through the assistance of what I call the holy beings, master souls, and uh, the grace of the divine. So that's essentially what I do. I hope I didn't put you on the defense, too, when I when I answered your email. <laughs> I, want, I want people to know that I was like, okay, I totally love you as a person. I think you're amazing. And then I went into this whole thing about I'm highly skeptical about faith healing and pronouncements of miracles. Yeah, and- yeah. And you were like, well, let's talk about it. So I was like, okay, then let's. Let's talk about that. And I I feel like you're the perfect person to talk about it with. Interestingly, because I've been thinking about faith. I was thinking about it all weekend. I was thinking about faith this morning. And I opened your email. And then everything I had been thinking about kind of just came into, like, one point of, like, this is interesting. (laughs) So do you have thoughts about the word faith? Well, before we get to that, it's interesting because I've got a very strong 
thing that I needed to reach out to you and specifically ask to be on your podcast, which I was like, I don't like, I don't like reaching out to people and that I haven't talked to in a while with some kind of agenda. You know what I mean? I really don't like Do that. Do you have so, an agenda? No, other than you're supposed to reach out to Joe and talk about, you know, like be, possibly being on her podcast and Oh, yeah. And then I reached out to you and you were like, yeah, like, you know, I'd love to catch up, whatever. So that's my own. All I knew was reach out to Joe at the same time. I haven't talked to you in a while. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I felt kind of weak about about doing this is how I live my life all the time. Like, you know, but reach that's out. faith. That's faith. That's why I think it's interesting that I heard from you when I was thinking about faith. Oh, absolutely. You know, I absolutely. And that's what I was calling. It just feels very synchronous and interesting. So Mm -hmm. my beliefs around faith are, well, I love magic and I am a person who feels that believing is seeing, but I'm also a skeptical person. So it gets very, very, very tricky (laughs) because I'm always very hesitant to buy into someone else's thing. Even if I find them very appealing, I work with my own guides. I have my own spiritual practice but I when it comes to other people I'm always like "Hmm, I don't know so it kind of to me that's a faith blocker right and it's like this fine line (laughs) it's because my 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 brother Michael who I hope will hear this uh podcast is the same way like he's very 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 like he does not he went through a long period of his life where he spent a lot of money on psychics, some of the top psychics in the world, and kind of like is like an Anthony Bourdain of spirituality. But he's always very much like, look, he goes into his own team, you know, his own, you know, beings that he works with. He, he, has a, he wants to hear directly from the divine, mm-hmm. and he's very choosy about who he works with, especially after, you know, some of the things that have gone down in the spiritual world, in the faith healing world. You know, he's very, very, very discerning. So I trust his discernment. When he tells me, like, hey, Joel, like, we go to different things, different events, and he's like, hey, Joel, I don't know about this person. You know, I listen to it because I know, or I take it into consideration at least, because I know that he's someone that he really, 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 really is careful about who he works with. I don't think that's a bad, I don't think that's a faith blocker. I think there's a fine line between discernment and suspicion, but I think we need the discerners because there's a lot of, you know, love and light, you know, everything is awesome. Fucking Lego movie shit going on right now. A lot of people in the spiritual world, especially, you know, the corporate America, you know, very much the consumerist spirituality mindset, you know, they're they're just like getting hit and unfortunately siphoned and and it's really sad to see. So I understand skepticism. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I say it's a fine line because I'm thinking of faith broadly, not just in terms of like the new age movement or anything like that, but it's like you can only receive as much as you can allow. But Mm. if you open yourself up too much, you fall victim to predatory behavior. And so that's what I mean by it's a fine line. And you always have to walk with that king or queen like discernment. And it's, it is a fine line. If you're, if you're spiritually adventurous, which I assume you're saying your brother is because you called him the Anthony Bourdain of, of seekers, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He is. He just wants to like taste it all, but also not like get himself into a scary neighborhood where they're cutting out his kidneys in the bathtub. 
Yeah, he's a connoisseur and also a very, very precise critic. And he's gotten to be that way because he's had certain experiences. He's from the Philippines, and he's had an experience with that changed his life when it comes to healing. And so, and I won't tell his story, you know, because it's his story, but it's really amazing. And so seeing that world and seeing a world where there's not that superstardom and people are having these abilities and demonstrate, and it's a very much like similar to my African background, it's a cultural thing to coming here where, you know, you, you go to a lot of different healers or a lot of different psychics or a lot of different spiritual practitioners. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, you know, I do this. I can do that. I can do this. And then when you look at their track record or you look at their integrity or you look at certain things, it doesn't necessarily add up. I just remembered something about you. You call people brother and sister who you are not biologically related to, right? <laughs> Shout out yeah. to Meg Johnson. Hello, Meg, if you're listening. I have to give her, because you call Meg your sister. And I and you just said something about this guy being your brother, and then he's from the Philippines. I'm like, hold on. I totally forgot this. Because <laughs> <laughs> you drop it so casually, and it's so much a part of, of who you are. But I just thought I'd throw that out there. <laughs> so, yeah, because, uh, you know, to me, like, I, I don't have any brothers or sisters on this side of things. So for me, my spirit soul fam is, you know, that I know is rocking with me and riding with me. It's just as important to me as my blood fam. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't really make a distinction. It's like, and that's also, I feel like a a West African thing because you got a lot of aunties that aren't really biologically your aunt and and all of that stuff. So, well, let's go back to to your roots because Mm. I know you grew up in Italy, I think. Yes. But you're West African. Yes. Okay, so let's talk about that. All right. So on my mom's side of the family, we're descended from Daomian royalty. So my grandpa was actually supposed to sit on the throne of Savalu in Benin, West Africa, but he actually abdicated for for certain reasons. On my dad's side of the family, we're descended from warrior chiefs, and the name Adifon actually means out of all of my brothers— this little child will rise up and become the strongest. And so basically, uh, you know, an ancestor, I feel like it was a great, great, great grandpa or something like that, founded a specific village and he became, you know, bigger than all his brothers. So that's where we got the name from. And, you know, my parents grew up there and eventually they went to to Italy uh, to study because a relative of mine was a high up bishop in the Catholic Church. And he actually took uh, my parents to study in Italy. They had all kinds of experiences there. I was born uh, as the first black baby, born in Padre Pio's hospital in uh, San Giovanni Rotondo, Italy, and was baptized was baptized in the Vatican. And that's essentially how I got to Italy, how my family got to Italy from Africa, grew up there. And it was very normal to have spiritual experiences. Um, when I was uh, you know, a kid, I just remember... Very casually, if a loved one would pass, it would be normal for them to appear in in other loved one's dreams and with specific information like, hey, do this, you know, take care of this. And, you know, oftentimes a person would be unaware of the circumstances of why until they talk to somebody else. You know, I grew up with uh, knowing that certain family members had healing gifts. So to me, when I started having these mystical openings, 
Which we haven't even mentioned. Let's just because I start rolling and rolling. (laughs) Okay, so you you're from Africa. You moved to Italy, and you're from a family that's very spiritually connected. It sounds like. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So you, it was normal for you then as a kid to be having these experiences. Exactly, yeah. What would an experience be like that might be out of the ordinary for other families, but in your family was totally cool? I remember an experience right after we moved to the States, um, maybe like a couple years after. I was like between six and eight. And my mom took me to this Catholic church where she would decorate the statues of saints because, you know, altar work was very much a part of what she did. She was very important to her. And so we were we were in the Catholic church and she would leave me sitting up in the in the front or second pew. And I was looking up at this big statue of Jesus. I'm just looking at him, you know, just like very lovingly, like as a kid would do. And the statue of Jesus came to life. Like, basically, the the wood looked like normal skin. There was this very much lifelike quality in the eyes. And it just started breathing and smiling at me and exuding this love. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, mama, mama, Jesus está movendo, Jesus está movendo. Jesus is moving, Jesus is moving. (laughs) And she was like, she just looked at me. She was like, that's great. You know, she was very happy and went right back to what she was doing. And I think that mindset of having that in my family was what is different than a lot of kids in in the western world who have these kinds of openings is that because my parents had a grid for it my family had a grid for it they they celebrated it but they at the same time just treated it as it was normal which allowed other things to kind of like incubate and gestate and have like a almost like a safe container to expand mm-hmm. because it wasn't necessarily like a shutdown of it or, or an othering of it or a making it weird. So was your family Catholic before they moved to Italy? I, I'm very curious. If this is something that really, really interests me as a white girl who grew up in Southern California. How, what yeah, is the yeah, connection yeah. between... Gosh, I can't call you African. Can I call you African-American? Does that make sense? Are you African-Italian-American? How would you identify? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I fit under all those. You know, okay, as a, as a young black man who works, <laughs> yeah. with Je- who works with Jesus, who grew up with Jesus, like, what is the connection there when, I like, African roots are, I mean, this whole other thing? And, and oh, yeah. Africans were so oppressed in the name of Jesus and and so many horrible Absolutely. things were done to them here in America in the name of not and to me I can separate out Jesus from the horrible things that people have done in oh, Jesus's name but yeah. I'm curious yeah. about your experience of that Oh man all right so so you're really trying to jump ahead all right so Well so when we were talking about Jesus and you seeing Jesus breathing and moving so there's two questions there so there's one about my childhood and my and how like my my family kind of related to Jesus. Yes. And then there's one about Jesus and people of color and like my experiences with that, which is all you know stuff that's very close to my heart. In fact, I just wrote a post about this on on my Facebook page about Jesus as the Lord of Miracles and the Jesus of color and all of that. So it's very oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. So so basically, for me, yes. My to answer your question. My family was is Catholic, and also they have Pentecostal branches and like you know 
charismatic evangelical branches. But my my parents and and my, and my grandparents on both sides were what I would call like a charismatic Catholic. So they were Catholics who went to mass, all of that stuff, but also had the Pentecostal charismatic elements. And over there in Africa, that's very common because of the tradition of ecstatic earth-based traditions in Africa mm-hmm. and how colonialism and other different elements and factors influence African spirituality, there's still that energy and that way of connecting to the divine had to go somewhere. And the charismatic movement and all of those things, which, you know, also with Azusa Street, but I don't know if you've heard of that with Azusa Street and different things, has had, typically had very much an African, you know, African-American or Afro-diasporic element to it. That was a natural way for the energy to go. There are some aspects, some relatives here and there that practice more of the tradition because in Benin, the national religion of Benin is is uh, voodoo. So in, in Africa, that is something that certain people practice. In my family, they've largely uh, kind of shied away from that. They they are have more integrated their spirituality into an African form of Catholicism, charismatic tradition with, with some stuff like some elements of traditional beliefs in it. So like some elements of certain views on dreams, certain views on, you know, you don't communicate, you don't go at a certain place because this might happen to you. So it's like they've kind of found a way to merge that. So when I was right around the time when you met me, I was actually going through a time where I had was very upset with Christianity, Catholicism, all of that stuff, you know, I, I even told Jesus to fuck off. I was like, dude, listen, I'll, you know, like, like, you know, you bet you come through on my life, but I can't ignore everything that's happened to people with my skin and people that look like me. And I'm going to have to, you know, kind of leave you to the side and do my own thing, which he let me do. And because I'd had an experience with the Mike Brown stuff in 2014, where I actually had this you know, empathic opening where I began to feel the collective pain of people of color. And it was overwhelming for me. I don't have any slavery in my bloodline. You know, in fact, my, my bloodline is more royalty and chief. So it was a very foreign, even, and, and as a black man, I do experience, you know, the, the fear that, that society, the othering, all of these different things, but I don't ha- necessarily have the codes, especially if you want to look at it from an epigenetic perspective, you know, the, the ancestral trauma, you know, how they've done those experiments with people of, who are descended from people who were in Auschwitz and the cortisol levels and how there's post-traumatic slave disorder as a thing. I didn't necessarily have those. And so this energy and this understanding was foreign. It was very, 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 you know, heavy. And so I'm sitting there asking my ancestors for help. And I turned, I looked to Christianity. I looked to the charismatic. I looked to Catholicism. And I was like, y'all don't have shit to say about this. Where, where's the concern about how people of color who are, have largely given their lives to this Christian tradition, where is the concern and the care about their plight and what they're going through? And so I was deeply upset. And I went through this time where I started having, you know, because I was crying to the divine for answers, my ancestors came forward, you know, in visions, in, in different synchronous appearances and, you know, really wacky stories started coming to me. And then the 
beings like the Orisha. I don't know if you remember, but I started having experiences with Orisha, like, you know, Yemaya and Oshun and Oshozi and like different beings who started coming to me. Mm-hmm. And I was a bit freaked out because growing up and, you know, with my background, I was taught to fear these beings. And yet when I they came to me, I didn't feel like this dark, malevolent energy that was trying to deceive me. I didn't even feel an energy that was like, hey, you know, I'm cool. Like, no, I felt love. I felt a deep care and a deep love for me and a deep desire to hold me through what I was going through. And I was really confused. And I checked in with, you know, the people around me. I started having all these synchronicities. I asked the divine for help and they started coming through on likely sources that, you know, people in the, who are in the charismatic Christian tradition, who didn't know what I was going through, who would have prayers, prayer meetings and whatever, and would say, hey, Joel, God wants you to know you're on the right path and blah, blah, blah. And your beliefs are being challenged and stretched, but it's him doing it. You know, and of course they refer to God as a he. So I started having those and I was like, all right, I can't ignore what's happening. And I started having this understanding that the energy that I was feeling was good and, and was right and was not a bad thing. Fast forward a little bit. To uh, I took a trip to Africa in 2016 to see you know my grandparents to see my family and I ended up going to this place called La La Porte de, de No Retour, the door of no return, and it's the place where the slave in, in Wida, where the slaves were sent or the captives were sent. It was the last time they would see those shores of their home. In fact, over there there's there's this tree called the tree of forgetfulness where kings used to walk the captives around that tree so that they would forget who they are. So and and that way they wouldn't come back to haunt the king when when they when they died in those horrible conditions. And so me knowing that okay like yeah I come from royalty and that somewhere in my ancestry there's been people who through greed and fear and all of this stuff have been complicit in the selling of their brothers and sisters to, you know, oppressive exterior forces. I went to that shore and I asked the spirits for forgiveness. And I said, I'm so sorry for, for that. We didn't stick up for you. I'm so, and I felt like just a huge, huge opening when I did that. And fast forward a little bit to the new year's Eve on that trip. I had a vision where Jesus came to me and said, Joel, who do you think was the one who sent all these other beings to you when you wouldn't listen to me, when you were in the, weren't in the place? All these other beings, they're aspects of the, the divine, and they're my friends. Oh, that's and so I fascinating. Had, this is really fun. Yeah, yes. Yeah. I started having this under, and, and which is interesting because the way that people of color have adapted to Uh, You know, slavery and the trauma of the diaspora and all those things have been by an intermingling and a syncretism. So things like Santeria, things like, you know, um, Lukumi, which is an aspect of Santeria, things like the Umbada in in Brazil. All these different things have been ways that the people have taken these powers that they knew in Africa and now in 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 a system where they could be killed. They could be sold. They could be have all kinds of things happen to them if they practice openly. They began to integrate 
these beings behind the symbols of saints. But for me, it's different because what I'm actually doing is not necessarily merging pantheons, even though I recognize that energy is universal and archetypes span different cultures. You know, I've had that understanding. For me, I'm interact when I interact with Jesus. I'm interacting with a specific being who comes to me, and when I interact with the Orisha, I'm interacting with specific beings, even though they are different portals into a, a similar energy, and like different rivers will lead into the into this different tributaries will lead into the same river, which leads to the ocean and all of that. I started having those experiences, but to me, I really see the work that the ancestors were doing when they had me beat because I'm the only person in my family on both sides who's a direct descendant of both both sides of grandparents so that would be 18 plus grandkids I'm the only one that was born outside of Africa in this tiny little obscure Italian town where there was this saint named Padre Pio who had stigmata and all of this stuff and you know, baptizing the Vatican, I see that the that the ancestral wisdom was very deliberate in placing me in, into Christ consciousness, into the field of Christian mysticism and that Catholic way of connecting, because they wanted to bring these two aspects together. And so there was a time when I actually felt like I wasn't African enough, because I looked back and I said, wow, I was in awe of the Orisha, I was in awe of the different beings and the different traditions in this earth based way of connecting. And in that time, yeah, I could talk for a while about it. I had this these experiences where like, no, Joel, you were placed in the Christ consciousness for a reason because you're supposed to bring all of this knowledge here and hold all of this interspiritual way of relating to the divine together. And that eventually brought me back to Catholicism, kicking and screaming against the, the saints and beings that were appearing to me in the being frustrated and being like, no, I don't want to go to daily mass. No, I don't want to do this stuff. You guys are crazy. I have all these other gifts and ways of seeing the divine. How can I go back to Catholicism? I'm going to get excommunicated. All of these different fears, right? You know, but eventually I was like, nope, this is this is the divine. This is what what's best for me and for the people I'm here to help. And I came back and eventually Jesus showed me that there's this form of him in Peru and Colombia, but especially in Peru, known as the Lord of Miracles. And it's basically this painting that was painted by an Angolan slave. And that painting, the church tried to destroy it because they were upset that all these African African people were gathering around it and leaving offerings and basically bringing their tradition to their new conversion. And they were like, no, we don't like this. They went to destroy it. The multiple stories go that people were not able to destroy it. They had something happen to them. Earthquake hits the city. That is the only one of the only walls in Peru standing and definitely one of the only walls of the church standing. And now it's one of the biggest processions of Catholicism in the world and is the patron of Peru. So for me, this journey of walking this path has been, all right, I, I'm walking with the divine. The divine is so much bigger than I think, and I'm constantly needing to expand. And so when people come to me for the work that I do, I'm able to still going to mass, still having that connection. I'm able to reach different people in the tradition that they're in, because to me, the divine is bigger than, you know, the Catholic Church. 
The divine is bigger than Christianity. The divine is bigger than any one of these streams, any one of these delineations that we humans have made on this plane. We go up there, everything's one, and everything is together. I know I just ramble for a long-ass time. No, you kind of actually got to the point that I was going to ask you about anyways. Like, what do you believe God is? Do you believe Jesus is an entity? And then what's your part in this? You know, you're talking about these different rivers that lead to the ocean, and, like, are you a stream? <laughs> like, what? where does that make sense, what I'm saying? If God is the ocean, let's say God is an ocean of love. I happen, mm-hmm. to, I happen to believe love is my God. That's how I see it. But what, what's your take on what is the source, universe, God, and where are you connected in all of this? Because you're a person that works with people in a spiritual way, as almost a, as a, a middleman, I would say, to the divine. Yeah, so so for me, so I interact with the divine with in three different aspects. So there's the aspect that I call when I when I I'll say this prayer during my meditation that goes God as my spirit, God as the spirits, and God as the spirit. And to me, you know, the divine God source whatever words you want to use, there's that aspect in us that that spirit soul There's the monad. Everybody has their own way of differentiating it. But eventually we get to that aspect where there's that part of us that is one with the divine, that is the divine, that is, has been in the divine and has never been separate. And so when I connect with God as my spirit, I'm going into that connection from from going up out of my personality or taking my personality with me up into that stream and that connection. Then I'll say God as the spirits. And that is basically the holy beings. What I define as a holy being is basically any being that we see as an as a manifestation of the divine, like in a very direct way. So say like an angel. Angels in you know many traditions, especially the the Abrahamic and the Zoroastrian traditions were known as okay, when you see an angel, you're seeing an aspect of the divine made manifest. Kind of in a similar way to the way the Yorubans see the Orisha. So that's what I call it a holy being. A master soul to me is a, you know, what people would call an ascended master. So a being who was human or was incarnate in some way and in some form on some plane and has gone through the process of raising themselves or whatever, however you want to see it, out of the denseness or integrating that divinity and awakening to it. Now, there are some holy beings that are also master souls and vice versa. So, you know, like Jesus, for example, the Buddha Lohan, which is the fat jolly Buddha, you know, the medicine, Buddha, all these different peoples would overlap. But that's what I, that's why I say holy beings and master souls. Then you have the spirit guides, allies and guardians, which to me is more of like the different roles that they hold at one time or at each time rather than a strict delineation. So like a spirit guide would be someone who isn't as high up as a as a um, holy being or master soul because they can add they can act as as guides. But at the same time, their their role is very much to exude that love from the divine in a very direct way. So spirit guides could be like an ancestor, could be like a you know someone that passed. Basically, they just give you guidance. They walk with you on your path. An ally could be anything from like an animal totem to like a fairy to like whatever you know, any, Sasquatch. 
<laughs> as a See, whole so, oh, I've heard you tell that story. I, I listened to some links you shared with me this morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you're just so you're just like super, super open. Uh, when I think yeah. about when I hear you talk about it, I, I I picture like a golden retriever like on a sunny day like bounding through a field of lavender and just like how like taking chunks out of the air like yes I'll have some of that and yes that and yes and I'm more like on the edge of the field like I don't know let's think about this. <laughs> it see you know it's funny it seems that way and yes I am more open. But I also think before, uh, because I've had a lot of experience, I've had some some really not good experiences with the other side as well. And I think, but I think for, for me, when I see certain things, I'm like, look, if it's the divine, I want it. If it's not the divine, I don't want it. But if I know that it's that love, you know, for me, I'm just like, yo, let, let's let's you, get it pop. You go toward the love. To me, that's a that's a excellent discerning tool. Does it feel like love? Does it feel like fear? Yep. And does it feel like love? Because sometimes you'll have some beings that'll love you just because you smell nice. Mm. You know, like like nature spirits. They they might just love you just just for whatever random reason and hate and hate your family. You know what I mean? So I for depend like I can have a relationship with a nature spirit. And, but depending on where they are, do I want to ha- do I want to receive guidance from them? You know what I mean? So it's always like. I always check in with the with the great divine, the big what my teacher Ron calls the big spirit field. I check in with with that first, and then I'll have certain beings come forward, depending on how I've connected. And which brings me to the big when I talk about the big field. There's this uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Daskalos. He was a healer in Cyprus that is actually uh, my teacher's teacher. And he was known for all kinds of different feats and all kinds of things. There was a book series about him called The Magist of Strobilos, written by a sociologist who spent some time with him. And basically, he talks about what is called absolute beingness God. So this aspect of the divine, and it's talked about in many different traditions, from esoteric Christianity to like different strands of Tibetan Buddhism, all these different streams have different names for it. But it's essentially that aspect of the divine that is beyond name, beyond form, and it's total love, total wisdom, and total power. And it's just, you can't even put it into words. And so that, a lot of times, eventually, when I interact with God as you know, my spirit, God is the spirits, and I and I will reach into that place, and that's where a lot of grace comes from. I think grace and faith are very connected. Mm-hmm. So the faith, what I'm talking about is faith healing, what I said that, you know, like, I would love to talk to you because I think you are an awesome person, but I have all this skepticism. I particularly am not fond of cold reading. I just feel like it's abused and there's a lot of predatory behavior around that. I'm also a person who I personally don't go for having a middleman. I feel like I can connect to the divine anytime I want. It's always here. It's in me. I'm in it. And that's how I see it. So I I just have to say that because 
I want to ask you all about what you do without being a person who's telling everybody, like, this is an, an official endorsement. I can definitely say Joelle is Absolutely. an awesome, open, loving, joyful person. But also, I am just very skeptical about this stuff and curious at the same time. So let's talk about, like, your role in terms of... Well, everything that we just talked about, all of it, the whole shebang. <laughs> but then if you're going to work with an individual who has a health problem, for example, yeah. what what is that like? Well, first thing, I want to address something that came up in my – so I do the – like I told you, I do the Facebook Live, Divine Interventions, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And, you know, people ask me questions. Like I did a when – when the – I enter that state, I'll share messages and also – speak to different conditions and, and do like a group healing. And there was someone there who was like, Hey, Joel, you just named this condition. And it was funnily enough after he hopped on, I didn't know he had it. And he said, Hey, uh, you know, basically if I receive divine healing, should I stop taking my medicine? And I was like, listen, first of all, I'm not a doctor. You know, I have to give the whole spiel. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist. Even even though I have a psychology background, you know, I'm not, not trying to replace any of those things. And that is not a question I can answer for you. You are your authority. You have to go within and you have to check in with yourself and check in with people you trust and, and, and come to that whatever conclusion on your own. Because there, you're right. There are a lot of people who, especially in the culture that we are in in the West, where this is such a novelty and not necessarily yet a normal aspect of our society, a lot of people, it's very easy to put your power in somebody else's hands. I mean, and, and we do that in any ways. We do that with, with, with our medical doctors oftentimes. We do that with any person who, you know, has a letter after their name or, or has is wearing or dressed a certain way. There is a, a tendency in, in human nature to put our power in somebody else's hand. And so I, I, I answer that question to him, and I share that just to say, for me, it's about coming alongside people and empowering them to realize that they do have a connection to the divine. That's why I call myself a divine catalyst. And I say that I help people create miracles, but I don't work miracles for people. Oh, and that's, yes, that's a, an important distinction that you just made. Yeah. Yes. I am coming as a representative of the divine to show you that you have that connection. And I say I guide you and I guide individuals beyond human effort into grace because it's I've lived a life I've, I've through grace, through the upbringing that I've had, through the honing that I've had. I've lived a life of being trained and fine tuned. This is why in, in communities, you know, where they might have a shaman or they might have a medicine man or woman or they might have whatever. Those are people who have a specific calling to bring through, to hold those messages and to hold the grace for the community and to share that. But they are operating in a culture where that is normal, where, where there is a shamanic culture, where if someone has a dream and a portent, it's not seen as normal. I mean, it's not seen as abnormal. And so here in, in, in our American Western culture, these are things that we've gotten disconnected from. These are things that because of the way we've approached religion and spirituality as an intellectual thing and with dogma and like and taking uh, antiquated and religion that's kind of been watered down and removed from direct gnosis, 
we've lost that. And so I'm here to, to, to help bring the culture, to help bring the fact that, look, the divine is wanting to speak to people. We have, People ask all the time the question that I, that I, with my work, is always seek to answer is why is God or the divine or source allowing bad things to happen to good people? Look, what makes somebody else more qualified for a miracle or for a healing or for any of that than others? Is God sitting up there picking and choosing? And my answer, this is my answer. This is what I've come to based on my journey is the divine is not picking and choosing. The divine is, is amazing, ecstatic, all-embracing, super abundant, unexhaustible, immeasurable love. And so anytime there is a need, first of all, from the perspective where the divine is seeing, even though the divine can empathize with us and feels that, the divine sees us as whole beings. Let's see how we can open up to that. Let's see how I can stand alongside of you. I don't know why this tragedy happened, but I know that doesn't represent the heart of the divine as I know it. It's like if we understood as human beings what was possible, what was available, and who we are, we held that for just a millisecond collectively at the same time. Even even just a few people, you know, our planet would be different right now as you and I speak. And that's just, you know, I know for a lot of people that's like, yo, those are bold words, Joel. I don't know about all that. But for me, just the experiences that I've had with the divine and in my work, I have seen too many things. I've seen, you know, HIV healed, where the doctor actually watched the vials of blood in the client that the client had, um, you know, had taken from them actually changed. You know, I've seen tumors and cysts disappear, chipped teeth grow back. But this is yeah. the reality. Okay, okay. This is the stuff that I want to, this is the stuff, though, that gets gets my back up a little bit. And I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering if it's easy for you to be open to these th- kinds of things because you grew up in this little village where there was stigmata and, you know, like a lot of, uh, for me, I'll just speak for myself, the only yeah, yeah. experience that I grew up with that and is was in horror movies or in yeah. like these poor yeah. gullible people that give their money to go like have these so-called spiritual experiences. So when I hear like growing a tooth back, you know, or well, it wasn't a whole tooth. Let me just clarify. Wasn't a whole tooth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, have growing it, a part it. of your tooth back. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I have to be fair and I have to be real and I have to be who I am. Like, I want you to be who you are here, but also at the same time, I have to represent the people that are feeling the way I'm feeling, listening to all of this. Do you know absolutely, what I mean? Absolutely. And I want that though. Like, I want that discussion. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's why I, that's why I was like, come on, let's talk about this stuff, which I I think is a, a testament to, <laughs> to your openness as a person, because I really was like, look, I have a problem with this and this and this. If you're OK with that, we can talk about it. And you're like, yes, let's do. Whereas I think some a lot of people would shrink back from that. So here we are. So it, people that you work with, you're. Acting as a catalyst in terms of what? Like helping them get out of their own way to be able to receive healing? Is that, am I getting it correct when I say that? Yeah, get out of their own way to understand that the divine. So we have all these ideas. Oh, okay. This This is important. So I wrote something 
that I really feel is important to what to kind of get. I'm actually let me search for it real quick, if that's okay. Yeah. Well, and it's very short. It's not hyper long, but it's like it's kind of like a spoken word kind of message. So God is not deaf. God is not silent. God is not distant. God is not indifferent. God is not separate from you. God is not against you. God is not angry at you. God is not upset with you. God is not judging you. God is not cursing you. God is not damning you. God is not extorting you. God is not punishing you. God is not condemning you. God is not standing idle as you are wounded. God is not allowing bad things to happen. God is not orchestrating your pain. God does not hate you. God does not despise you. God does not require your belief. God does not require your ritual. God does not require your religion. God does not require your spirituality. God does not require your orthodoxy. God does not require your worship. God does not require your sacrifice. God does not require your poverty. God does not require your celibacy. God does not require your obedience. God does not require your suffering. God does not require your painful lessons. God does not require your karma or your soul contract. God loves you because God loves you. God is for you because God is for you. God wants you because God wants you. God is with you because God is with you. God blesses you because God blesses you. God is good to you because God is good to you. God, your father is lifting you on his shoulder. God, your mother is nursing you at her breast. God, your beloved is adoring you. God, your friend is by your side. God, your strength is empowering you. God, your door is opening possibility. God, your solution says it's already done. God says, open your eyes and see the mirror. God says, open your heart and receive the love. God says, open your arms and welcome the gift. God says, it's time. It's time now. That's what I help people to see. That's, That's a the lot word. of the word God on a podcast called Hippie Witch. Exactly. This is a podcast exactly. for witches, Joelle. What are you doing saying God <laughs> 75 and, and times? <laughs> for sure. And when I say the post, I have like a parenthesis saying you're, you know, that you could put whatever words, source, spirit, you know, the divine flying spaghetti monster. But the point <laughs> is, <laughs> the point is. So right? I, that's a belief, though. That's a belief. Not everybody believes that. There are people that believe God is cruel. There are people who believe God does that's- not exist. There is no God. There are people that have a variety of beliefs. And you are a person that has a lot of conviction in your belief. And I would, again, trace that back to faith like you have faith that that is true but there are a lot of people that would hear that or see that and be like blah 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 (laughs) absolutely and and to me my favorite people are the people who like yourself who are well because i tell people when they start having working with me or they come on a divine intervention i don't need your faith god doesn't need your faith what i feel the divine is asking people for is openness Because you could have someone who's doing going to church, you know, and doing all the right stuff. And they could be less open than someone who's like, I don't buy this shit. I feel like I've been graced to have experiences where to me, faith to me is less. Is this shit real? And more so like, yo, do I trust that this divine power is taking care of me? But I feel like I've had too many experiences 
with the work that I do and in my life to be like, yo, this this stuff isn't necessarily a possibility or this stuff doesn't happen on a regular basis. It's more so at the end of the day, my faith is more on how does God feel about me than, you know, how does God feel or the source or the divine, you know, how does that power feel about people? It, to me, it feels like a knowing because I don't feel like I need to work at that. Mm-hmm. I talk about the knowing the knowing, which is hard to articulate or explain because it's something that you just feel deep down to be true. For sure. Yeah. So uh, before I let you go, you already brought up Sasquatch. I wanted to talk about imagination. So (laughs) why don't we end with imagination and Sasquatch? Because I think we got to throw something that I know for sure that they will all enjoy <laughs> at the audience because yeah. I know they'll get a kick out of that. And I, the thing about the piece about imagination is the creative power of imagination and the use of imagination in terms of spiritual healing, being psychic, being giving spiritual messages. I've I've I listened to some this morning talking on other um, shows, and I was like, "There's a lot of imagination going on there," and that's something that you really have to trust and follow, even though it can just be so ridiculous sometimes seeming. You know, like why are you talking about Luke Skywalker? in the middle of me trying to help this woman with her cancer diagnosis like stuff like that happens right so (laughs) i i i would love to hear your take on that yeah i think for me it's it's you know there's this verse and i don't know why i'm using all kinds of christian term i don't usually talk this way but i guess this is what's happening but like there's this verse that talks about being like a child right Mm -hmm. and yes one always like become like a little kid that one always stuck with me And so to me, like I took it to heart and I found that we look at like in the Western world, there's been this mindset that the imagination is lesser than the intellect. Right. It's like, well, you made it like a lot of times people will say is like, am I making this up or I made it up? Right. Where to me, when I look at other societies, other non-Western traditions, the way they see the imagination is really what the breakdown of the word comes out to, which is the birthing of images. It's the fact that there are images in other realms and other realities that we're living in a multiversal cosmic order where there are all these different beings, all these different realities, depending on what quantum theory you align with. We have an infinite number of timelines. We have a, maybe an infinite number of universes. We have a bunch of different dimensions stacked upon each other, maybe even sideways. Who the fuck knows, right? <laughs> we have this, this multidimensional existence. And so what other people may see as I made that up or I actually think everything that we imagine is real. Mm-hmm. That right now, Goofy and Donald Duck are having a, a conversation about, yo, is there a is there a hippie witch? Is there a Joel Adafon? Are they having a podcast? Did we make that shit up? You know what I mean? And so I feel like that openness to that I cultivated as a kid that was graced to be in an environment where there was that openness and that receptivity. You know, I have experiences where all kinds of weird out of the box shit happens in in my sessions like i've had samus aran from metroid prime show up and the person was like yo that is so significant that was my favorite video game character and like it had something to do with some shit i I forget the details but it was like very pertinent and then i've had like the time when 
the story that I shared on that that show, shout out to Marshall Dunn, was basically there was a woman who came to me, and she was having a whole bunch of physical issues, and this was over the phone. And she'd heard about the work that I was doing. And, you know, we're doing the healing. We're seeing some some movement in her body. Things are changing. But, you know, it's kind of it's slow. And all of a sudden, I see this family in my mind's eye. I see this family of Sasquatch coming forward and saying, Ayo, Joel. They didn't say that, but, like, this is my translation, right? So they say, Ayo, Joel, we got a message for this woman. And a female Sasquatch set forward. I'm like, no, the fuck you don't. people don't understand that like they think like i get these messages and i'm just like we like you know like just going with every no i have my own inner like yo this shit is out of the box i don't know about this i gotta do my interior checks to the best of my ability to make sure that i'm not connecting someone with an energy that is not for their highest good or for love or pulling this shit you know out of the fantastical realm you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so i ended up sharing that with her, that they were there to help her with her spiritual gifts and, you know, her spiritual development and, you know, her, her journey. And she starts bawling and crying profusely. And I'm like, damn, did I break her? And I was like, kind of, <laughs> I was a little like, whoa. And she's like, no, Joel, you don't understand. I worked at this mental health facility and I had a spiritual awakening and I didn't have anybody around me to support me. And during that spiritual awakening, I started doing research on Native American spirituality and started seeing that what we call folklore is their reality. That there were these Native American chiefs and medicine men that were having encounters with beings that we call Sasquatch and Bigfoot and stuff. They're having these encounters, receiving knowledge about nature, about their tribe, all of this stuff. And it was very sacred to them. And I started going around telling people, we shouldn't be hunting Sasquatch. And people laughed at me, and I just went deeper. And eventually, in the psychological terminology, I had a psychotic break and ended up deciding I would never have anything to do with spirituality. Before I came to you, I started slowly opening up, and but was very hesitant. And now you are sharing this with me. So it was something that I couldn't have possibly, like it was one of those things that she was like, yo, the, the probability of you knowing that and this kind of shit just falling out of nowhere and like that meaning that much to me, she was like, yo, there's a divine power that cares about me. And it opened her up to receiving her healing. And her life's never been the same since. Yeah, I, I know everybody's loving that story. It's a good one. It's a good one. Let's leave them with you answering one question that I usually ask at the end of these interviews. And that is, what is one tip you have for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? That's a very that's a very dope question. It could be anything. It doesn't have to be the end all be all, just whatever comes to mind. Yeah, well what's coming to my mind is like to know that there is this power that loves you personally. There's this Abraham Hicks quote. I don't know how we feel about Abraham Hicks, but that, that just popped in my we head. We like Abraham said, here. Yeah. So Abraham has this quote that says, The bigger the dream, the more source has your back. And I feel like at the heart of this work, whatever pops out of you, whatever doesn't, whatever, you know, whether the word God, at the end of the day, to me, that principle opens so many doors and opens them. It really, truly opens the miraculous up. 
So the bigger the dream, the more source has your back. That's very cool. Thank you so much. Can you tell people how to find you online? I, I will link to that as well, but just in case. So, yeah. Yeah, you can go to joelladifon.com. You could also go to, like, look me up on Facebook. That's Joe L with an apostrophe between the O and the, and the E to help people pronounce it. So Joe L. Adifon on Facebook. And uh, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at, at 10 a.m., usually, I do, like, a Facebook Live Divine Intervention where I'm sharing this work with people. So, yeah, it's a great chance to, to, to find out what it is I'm doing. And, yeah, like, I, I definitely love connecting with people on Facebook. And if you want to email me also, you can email me at admin at joelladifon.com. Com, admin at joeladafon.com. Thank you so much. This was perfect. For sure, for sure. Thanks for having me, Joe. Yay. Bye, everybody. Much love. Peace. Are you still there? Hello. I hope you're still there because I have a little book nerd moment that I want to tack on to the end of this thing because Joelle and I, we were still talking after the interview and I happened to still be recording when he mentioned a couple of books that he wanted to recommend and because so many of you are voracious book nerds, especially for all things spiritual, I thought you might appreciate this. So here are Joelle's two book recommendations. And then also, because we are now tacking music, mostly rock and roll, onto the end of these episodes, I am going to share with you a song called Oracle from everybody's favorite art witch, Molly Roberts, and her band Tiger Knight. So stay tuned for that. That's at the very, very end. Oracle by Tiger Knight. I wish I wish I had gotten the chance to get around to this, but there is if people are genuinely curious about there's an amazing book called The Man Who Could Fly. It's a story of Joseph of Copertino, which is really uh, he takes the story. Have you ever heard of Joseph of Copertino? Nope. He's the most documented levitator, you know, that we know of in human history. And he was a Catholic saint. And this guy who's a philosopher basically has taken his life to do an amazing study on parapsychology and miracles and it's 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 super super dope like a lot covers a lot of different things another another book that i'm waiting on hasn't come out yet but i'm eagerly waiting it on it have you heard of lissa rankin she does mind over medicine yes okay have you heard of her book sacred medicine uh, i'm not sure but i know who she is so basically she after she wrote her first book mind over medicine she started traveling around the world, meeting with different healers, including people that could materialize herbs out of their hand, like really out of the box shit, and started opening up into this world and realizing, wow, there's something way outside even the, the boundaries of medicine. And she's been waiting on this, holding off on this book. Part of it is the fact that she also realized that when you enter into the world of psi phenomena and people that can do out of the box shit, you get people like John of God who unfortunately aren't coming from the greatest integrity. You get all kinds of people, right? The kinds of people that you're talking about. And so she's been holding off on this book, but she's written some articles on it that are really amazing where she's like, as a medical doctor, is like, look, I'm having these experiences. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to do with them. And, uh, you know, that's another, that's another thing I'm waiting on. But man, right, the man, you know what? I'll, I'll insert this. I'll, I'll put this at the end as like as a book nerd bonus because everybody here loves the book so much. 
For sure. Yeah. So The Man Who Can Fly is an amazing book. And then there's some articles from Lisa Rankin. I actually have them. She posted them on her on her website or what? No, her uh, Facebook page. But they there's some pretty wild stories where she's like, yo, this woman materialized herbs in front of me. I don't know what the fuck just happened. You know, and she's coming to terms with that. So her book is eagerly awaited. Who knows when it's coming out? But I, I kind of love exploring the fact that as somebody who does live in this world, I love the other perspective. i mm-hmm. 